podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Miller, lovely cushion header. But you are beauty! What a headshot! What a hit! The time to Luis Garcia. Tries his mark. Hello and a warm welcome to this, your Champions League preview podcast here on Anfield Index. And wow, it's it doesn't get much bigger than this. We're at the semi-final stage. And Liverpool, it's for Liverpool, it's just a small matter of a certain FC Barcelona, Lionel Messi and all that lot to come. It's going to be a hell of a tie and to help me look forward to uh, to the Reds trip to the new Camp on Wednesday night, I've got Anfield Index contributor Sam Evans. Welcome to the show, Sam. Hi Andy, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, really, really excited for this next, uh, next round of the Champions League and it's just incredible how quickly we've got comfortable with being at this stage of the, of the competition, you know what I mean? It's just two seasons in, two semi-finals. Uh, let's hope we can go a couple more. Yeah, it's it, it is incredible, isn't it? And it is definitely, definitely exciting. Uh, and another thing, Sam, it's incredible how quickly this seems to have come around, doesn't it? Oh yeah, you know, def- it's it feels like yesterday we were in the Champions League final last. Um, I think we've got a lot of unfinished business in this competition, uh, especially you know Salah, especially after his performances last season, he he must be so so motivated for this so even though we all are desperate for that league title this champions league is right up there with it yeah absolutely and and we do love a good narrative and there's plenty to be had in this one uh, also joining sam and myself is my regular uh, podcasting co-host here uh, on anfield index mr guy drinkle how are we doing guy it's been too long, Andy. It's almost been like a week and a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We haven't potted for about a week or so. So, yeah, we, we just have to talk again. That's just the way it is. Yeah, and you've asked me to play the role of the Barca fan standing, which is not going to go well. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Look, this, this is the thing. You know, normally, would we would have someone uh, from the, the club that we're playing or maybe a journalist or something like that to, to give us some insight. But let's face it, I think everybody knows Barcelona so, so well. Such an accomplished team, so many famous players. We've seen so much of them over the past decade that I I think that uh, we're well aware of what we're facing. And here we are at the semi-final stage. So, you know what, let's get three reds in the room. Why shouldn't we be excited? And and to start with, Sam, I'll come to you. Liverpool got past uh, Porto as they did last year. Not quite, um, not quite the formality it was last year with that five nil, and then just basically playing out that uh, ninety minutes that they forced us to. Th- this was a bit more of a tie, but um, you know, it, on the on the scoreline it looked very, very one sided. But on the pitch in Porto, it wasn't quite so. But the Reds 
they've really moved on now. We're, we're, we're more than just that team that were rock and roll football last year. D- definitely. I think, you know, th- if you compare the two ties, Porto this year against Porto last year, I think it really does highlight the kind of evolution that this Liverpool team has gone through. Uh, you know, looking at last year, as you said, we absolutely blew them away 5-0 away from home in the first leg and it was pretty much, de- you know, dead and buried. Uh, this year now, we, we're a bit more measured as a team. We are a lot more mature and we're we're a lot more... Uh, don't want to say cautious because that's not the right word. We're a lot more professional. Um, so we don't need to have to blow teams away in the first 20 minutes and then hang on for the last 20. We've become a team that, that's happy to grind teams down, take their time and, and, and just see how the game pans out. And I think that was really kind of well exemplified in the second leg against Porto this year. You know, I think all of us, even though we were 2-0 up, the first 10 minutes against Porto was a bit bonkers uh, in the second leg where, you know, they were just having shot after shot after shot. But if you actually looked at the players, they weren't actually panicking. They, they've they seen this before. They, they knew that Porto were going to come out swinging. That was the only way they were going to have any chance of progressing. And fair play to Porto, they came flying out the traps. But if this season's anything to go by, this Liverpool side knows that they, they've got the defenders and the goalkeeper and the system in place now that they're more than happy to just ride out the early storm with the team, you know, give them loads of... They weren't even half chances, to be fair. You know, they were just pot shots more than anything. Um, so I thought the team were just waiting for them to blow themselves out. And then we, we just completely capitalised in the second half and we ripped them to shreds. So it was just, it's, it's so good to see the professionalism that is now part of this Liverpool team. And the way we go about things now, it's far more sustainable than our old style where we were just blowing teams out the water and then running out of steam. So as you can see in the league as well, we're a far more consistent team with this new way we're going forward with, with the games. And it's it's bringing brilliant, brilliant results. Yeah, wholeheartedly, uh, wholeheartedly agree. Uh, and guy, I mean, as, as Sam was saying there, you know that Porto did put us under some pressure, and we looked a little shaky early in the game. But I think fair to say, once Mane scored, that that was pretty much it, wasn't it? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, the away goal was so important in that timing. I mean, Two nil. Um... It's not a it's not a bad score, obviously, in a, in a two legged tie, but it's not a, a done deal score. It's not it's not the tie over score, and getting that away goal, I think that was the moment you just went, yeah, it's gone, it's gone now. Especially, I know the defense was was pretty damn shaky in that first thirty thirty five minutes or, or until Mane scored. Probably even after that, a little bit, it's still a bit shaky. Um. But yeah, the away goal, it was just kind of the nail in the coffin of the tie and um, the game kind of just descended into utter madness after that because they they piled it on and we kind of just took advantage of, of the space. Um, but yeah, it was such an important goal and um, I can't really remember it, Andy. I can't remember much about this game because I was kind of distracted about the Man City game, if I'm honest. Ooh, that's, that's a bit of an admission. <laughs> I... In a way, I kind of understand. <laughs> yeah, I do kind of understand because that one was a bit mad. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it's kind of funny though, guys, isn't it? When we look back and we, because obviously we review things on a monthly basis for the Res Review uh, podcast. 
just how how different this knockout uh, phase of the competition has been for Liverpool co- compared to the group stages where it was really hit and miss during the group stages. We just about got through. Uh, but since then, it's it does seem to have been a, like a different team. Like they've kind of found the you know really found their rhythm, and these two-legged knockout uh, phases just seem to really suit this team. Yeah, Klopp's record in two-legged ties is just stupid. <laughs> I mean, we've got to the final each time. You're all for a Champions League. What more do you want? Well, it would be lovely to win it, but in terms of two-legged ties, it's. It's like Rafa turned up to eleven. It's just, it's just stupid. And as you said, the group stages was awful away from home. I mean, um, Red Star, geez, that must have been, that must be one of the worst performances in Klopp's tenure. And that's with all, that's with his squad, not the first year squad where it was an utter mess. This, that was his full squad, and we were getting smashed by Red Star, struggling in Paris, um, Naples. God, that was, that was a tough watch. That. Um, but yeah, as soon as the knockout stages just come along, it is just it's just fantastic. And Porto again, just it's another it's another one that we just kind of just did a professional job. As I said, the first the first home game wasn't particularly explosive or exciting. Got the job done. Panicky Smith, probably the most panicky, apart from like the Roma tie when that just kind of went into madness. But maybe a bit panicky in that first thirty. But after that. Job, job done. I mean, I don't think it was as impressive as the Bayern one because that's one of our best performances, probably under Klopp um, in in Munich. But yeah, we just we just we just not sail, but we're just doing the job in the in these two legged ties. And I mean, as as a as a kid, as a lad, I grew up with in the Rafa era, and it, it just reminds me of that so much. Yeah, there's definitely something different about this team, uh, and Sam. You know, as we mentioned there, look, Liverpool seems to have come into their own since they move into the knockout phases. Uh, looking at Barcelona's passage through to the semi-final stage, they had uh, Spurs, Inter Milan and PSV in their group, so not an easy group, yet they've negotiated that uh, quite comfortably. You know, they've won four and drawn two of their games. So, you know, that they traditionally, uh, or you can pretty much call it now over the last sort of 10 to 15 years, you know, they've been become such a powerhouse. And and even though that they, you know, their team and their squad has changed somewhat over those years, that they're still continuing to churn out these results. They're still one of the big hitters. Uh, you know, they've they've com- comfortably negotiated a tough group, and then they've got past. They've easily got past Leon in the uh, the round of 16, and then they've knocked out uh, Manchester United. Uh, again, quite comfortably, really, in the quarterfinal stages. So, um, what what do you make of this Barcelona team? Yeah, as you said, they kind of comfortably qualified from their group. Um, you know, I think it was, it was four wins and two draws from the group stages. Uh, really, really comfortable. Uh, Leon, they just got the away draw, brought them back to the new camp and got a really comfortable win again. Um, you know, they're, they're looking. They're not incredible, you know. They're, they're eighty points from thirty-four games in their league at the moment. You know, where 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 even more points. Where we're on eighty-eight, um, and and we're in the Premier League. You know, I think we we've been a better side this season overall. That's in my opinion. But 
you always know that Barcelona are a big, big threat when it comes down to it. You know, they haven't needed to be special in La Liga. They're absolutely walking to the title now. Um, you know, they've got a nine-point gap. They're very comfortable. They can put their 100% concentration into this Champions League so they can rest plays in the league, you know, and they're, they're going to just cruise to victory in that league. And that's the difference for us. Uh, obviously, we've got a very, very tough task in the league ourselves. So I, I did notice you were talking about the group stages there earlier, how dreadful we were in the group stages. But at the time, I did notice Klopp did seem to be very much gearing his side towards the league this season more than the Champions League. You know, usually you might rest players in the league and, and play your big guns in the in the Champions League. Klopp very much did kind of rest the bigger boys or, you know, rotate accordingly. In the champ in the Champions League more than the league because you could it was absolutely imperative that this season Liverpool put some sort of challenge in in the league table, and that's exactly what he did. And I think he thought he could afford you can afford to drop the odd point in the Champions League group stages anyway. And you know I think maybe he did uh, underestimate make Moscow perhaps uh, and make a few mistakes there. But overall, we we scraped through thank God. But now, as as Guy touched on earlier, once we're in the in the knockout stages, we're an absolutely different animal. You know, Liverpool over the years have always been a, a European powerhouse, and as Guy touched on, Klopp in the two-legged knockout games for Liverpool, he, he's unbeaten. You know, he got all the way to the final in the Europa League, all the way to the final in the Champions League, and now all the way to the semi-final again this year. So. Um, you know, I'm going into this very, very confident again. And Guy, uh, just as I mentioned there, you know, look, Barcelona have not, they've not had this, you know, straightforward uh, route through, you know, the, the passage hasn't been sort of wide open for them, you know, face lots of uh, weaker opposition. You know, they've had a good group that they've had to uh, negotiate. They've done that really well. Leon are a good side. You know, they, they put them to bed 5-1 on aggregate. And then the last, in, like we mentioned, in the quarterfinals, they've gone away to Man United. They've not played that well, but they've won 1-0. And then they've put them to bed 3-0 at home. Um, you know, the, there might not be the vintage Barcelona of, of, that they were under uh, Pep Guardiola, but they're clearly still a very, very good side. I mean, what did you make of their victory over Man United? Um, it was interesting, really. I mean, the the Old Trafford leg was so bad. <laughs> it was an awful match. That um, it was uh, it was terrible. Um, and I mean, in that Old Trafford leg, you could you could see quite a lot of weaknesses and sloppiness. I mean, that might have just been them playing very badly, like as a one-off. I'm not sure what their away form has been like uh, in general. But in the Champions League, I think they drew with Leon um, as well. So it might it might be just a, a, a tactic to stay tight up away from home, try and get an away goal and then just take it back home. And I think, that, I think the new Camp record is just unbelievable. But that away record, I mean, Man United were troubling. And, and I mean, I'm sure we've all watched Man United a, lot recent, or a decent amount recently, whether it was Champions League games or the Manchester derby last night. Oh, I mean, if if a team like Man United can trouble you, I mean, it, it, it's kind of giving me a sense of optimism against this team because the defense looks, it kind of looks slow, and then you've got mad, and then you've got a mad left back, 
and the midfield's aging. I mean, Busquets is brilliant, but he's getting old. Um, Ar- Arthur, I think that's how the put fans know. I just call him Arthur. <laughs> um, he he's um. I've not seen a lot of him because, well, since La Liga has gone on that 11 sports thing, it's kind of difficult to watch him. Um, but yeah, the midfield doesn't seem, it's not, it's nowhere near the peak of Busquets and Iesta Xavi. And the front, the front line's still terrifying. I mean, Suarez has got on a bit, but they've got, they've just got loads more options than I've ever seen from a Barcelona team. But yeah, there does seem to be weaknesses there, but the new camp form, um, it is a worry because, I'm not sure what it is exactly. I'm sure they've only lost like one game in like a million years there. Um, and I mean, we have to mention Messi, don't we, Andy? He's just, well. We've only we only played him when he was a puppy back in 2006. I think it was. I think we're the only English team he hasn't scored against, which terrifies the life out of me because he might want to. He might want to wrong. He might want to write that wrong. Um, but yeah, I mean. Your tactic has got to be stop Messi, but then you can't forget about the other, the other um talented players. I mean, Coutinho has had a weird start to his Barcelona career, but he played well against Man United, um, especially at the new Camp. Suarez is Suarez. The midfield can still do stuff, and Alba seems to be one of the biggest outlets going. So yeah, there's there's loads of worries there, but I mean, Messi's apparently having one of his. Probably top two seasons in his whole career, which is just it's just fantastic to hear when you're playing against them, isn't it? But um, yeah, Andy, I mean, not good against Man United. Probably a professional job, if anything. But that old Trafford, old Trafford leg showed me quite a lot to get optimistic about. Yeah, I think I think the the, the takeaway from me in terms of a hope for beating them was that yeah, there are vulnerabilities defensively. You can get at them, um, and. And something that I saw Man United try was was to press them at the back. And as we saw when they played against Manchester City, they they're they're clearly not very well organised in doing that. They're not used to it. They're not mm. attuned to it. It's something that we are very good at. So, although Tish Stegen's an excellent goalkeeper, and you've mentioned um, Jordi Alba at left back, yeah, great going forwards, not so great defensively. They they do have a defence of the. But I mean, this is a, is not a new thing that you know they've always seemed to have this defence that people feel that you could get at, but you could never get the ball off them to get at them. Um, and as you mentioned, that midfield, it is just beginning to age. It's obviously there's still talent there, there's still quality there, but not quite in its heyday. It's you know it is it's coming towards. It's probably to say uh, fair to say that it's in the autumn of its career. So. There could be opportunities there for us, especially when you consider how quick we are on the transition. But Sam, I'm going to come to you because, I mean, as as guys alluded to there, that there's some nice little uh, narratives and storylines in this. Uh, one obviously being Messi coming up against Virgil van Dijk. Now, I, I think it's pretty much undisputed by anybody with any sort of modicum of fair football sense that Lionel Messi is just the best footballer on the planet. I think he has been for probably a decade or more. I don't see anyone touching him. He's just an absolute phenomenon in so many different ways. But there's going to be a different test, and that is in the shape of a a certain giant Dutchman that we we absolutely adore. You know, Van Dijk is is becoming, 
acclaimed, uh, probably be the right word, by, by many now as, as as arguably the best defender in the world. So how how do you expect things to fare up as to uh, arguably the number one player in the world versus the number one defender in the world? Yeah, it's, that's kind of how it's been built. But I think, you know, if Messi gets the ball in the right areas, there's very, very little you can do about it if he's on form. Um, I think the the biggest key in this game is is more how Liverpool set up and manage to actually stop the supply to Messi himself. So you know I don't think there's going to be massive amounts of you know Virgil v Messi one on one defending going on. You know I think he's going to be moving all over the pitch, looking into wide areas and cutting in. Um, so I think a lot of it is is going to be more to do with Virgil's organisational skills, making sure that. You know, we're all in the right position, preventing Messi actually getting the ball in the first place. Because if you give that ball, that guy the ball in the right areas, he is the absolute best player in the world to take advantage of it. And that's something then that'll be completely out of our hands, whether we can go through or not. So um, we very much need to make sure that we've got the correct setup in place, which I've got more than enough faith in Klopp to do. And then if we got the right setup in place and manage to, you know, stifle the midfield and, and prevent the good service into Messi, then I think that's the only way we're going to be able to stop him. So, so with you saying that, is it is it possible then that the key battle, rather than being Van Dijk against Messi, could actually be um, Roberto Firmino getting in and around um, Sergio Busquets and, 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 like you say, limiting that? supply limiting the guy who starts everything for them yeah very much so uh you know we 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 all know barcelona tend to dominate games they keep hold of the ball for for decades uh, at the time it's absolutely insane uh you know we touched on after earlier um i read a stat earlier saying that he'd he'd had a match against valencia and this season and he he t- attempted 142 passes in the game, completing 135 of them. Uh, you know they're very much a possession side when they get their themselves going, and then once they do kind of dominate in that sense, then they're going to be trying to release. You know Messi, Suarez. Uh, you know they've got Coutinho in there. They've got Dembele. They've got an absolute abundance of attacking talent in there. So you, you, you say it exactly rightly there. We They're going to get a lot of ball. That That's just fact. What we need to do is prevent it from being good ball and giving them any sort of time on the ball in order to pick out you know the attacking players and give them great chances. So I think that's going to be absolutely key for us. Um, you know, If we can try and give them something to worry about going backwards, then hopefully that will go a long way to Brent in that. And guy, we we couldn't we couldn't ignore the uh, the obvious uh, narrative that's uh, sitting there. The, that huge uh, elephant or pair of elephants in the room being uh, Philip Coutinho and uh, Luis Suarez um, coming up against Liverpool. How how much of a part do you think this could play with both players? Uh, just the crowd, everything, just that that occasion. It's a weird one. I think. <sighs> Obviously, Coutinho will get the more hostile reception, I imagine. Um, I, 
I imagine Suarez will get a good one. I know, well, it all it almost soured, and then we had 13 14 because I mean, he was trying to push a move to Arsenal and stuff like that. So if he left, then it would have been much more sour. But 13 14 helped him a lot, and then he had um, Gerard's testimonial, I think it was, um, which would have been a nice. Um, Welcome back and hello and all that stuff. But Coutinho, it's obviously obviously quite fresh in the memory, faking an injury. I mean, it's pretty much. Let's be honest, we we know that as fact now. Um, but faking an injury, refusing to play. Um, yeah, it, 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 he's going to get a bad reception, and I think it's quite justified. I mean, I what there was obviously those weird, stupid rumors that. Um, Barca were looking to get rid of him, and one of, we may have been interested. I mean, I, I I would have taken him back. I probably still would now, because I think he's an excellent player. But he does deserve a bad reception because he he did treat us quite badly. Considering, I mean, we picked him up from Inter Milan when his career was stagnating, and did we kind of just uh, we give him a pedestal to grow? And then when Klopp came and he just took it to another level. And we did get him that dream move, and he did kind of spit that back in our face. So I think Coutinho, for me, it might be something he's never really experienced because he wouldn't have got a bad reception other than, well, Man United fans booing him against Barca because he was played for us. Um, so maybe, And we'll probably be much more hostile to him than that. Um, but yeah, it, it can really play a part, I imagine, because if Coutinho's never experienced it, it, it might get in his head. I mean, if, if that's if that's if Coutinho plays, obviously <laughs> they've got um, Dembele as an option and stuff. But Suarez, I mean, I don't think there's any point even trying to get anything out of him because that bloke is he's just mental. <laughs> so he'll probably play better if we boo him. That's probably the the scary thing about that. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Anfield crowd just in general. Um, will play such an important part, and obviously Barca have, have tried to be cheeky bastards anyway with with the whole ticket prices. And I think Liverpool, at, at, at the club, have done well to uh, fix that. I think United did the same when they over overcharging the away support. So yeah, fair enough with that. Um, but the the crowd makes such a big difference. Cost Barcelona. I'm not sure what Spanish crowds are like, but outside of El Clasico, I don't really get to watch that much Spanish football. So if the crowd, and I think the away away support in Spain's not as not a big thing like it is. No, not here. not quite the same. I mean, the first leg is at the new Camp, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, in terms of the you know how they mentally how it affects them, that would be second leg, wouldn't it? More mm-hmm. of the Anfield crowd, yeah. but. Just in terms of in that first leg, the just that whole thing of facing your former club because we've mm. seen with Raheem Sterling season on season, you know, game on game, he just no matter how well he's playing for Manchester City in whatever competition, when he faces Liverpool, it just seems to get in his head. Whether he's at home, you know, whether they're at the Etihad or at Anfield, it really seems to get in his head when he's playing us. So. Do you think there is that potential there than playing against Suarez and, and Coutinho that that it might get in their heads that they're facing us after you know because mm. they they were so loved for for the majority of their time at Liverpool? It's a strange one because it, it goes beyond Sterling as well. Torres, I mean Torres was good when he left us, but he he did. Have- he did have a good few opportunities to score against us at Chelsea, and I can't remember him doing so. Um, and there's probably plenty of other players who who have bad records against us who played for us. Um, so yeah, I mean it could it could really play a part. I mean, 
Suarez, I don't think it'll affect either way because, as I, as I said earlier, whether it's crowd noise or playing your ex team, I just I don't think it gives a toss to be honest. But Coutinho, um, I mean, he's obviously not having the best of times. He seems to be getting better recently. I mean, just play, playing against some familiar faces because I think he, he will have played with everyone bar like Fabinho and Cater, um, who will probably be starting. Um, he'd probably be familiar, familiar with Fabinho knocking him in Brazil training or something like that. Um, but yeah, I think Coutinho might be the one who, who might struggle against us for that reason. So, I mean, yeah, it's a good point. I was, I, I was thinking of that as the wrong way, but yeah, ex players, especially ex big players do seem to have, um, a poor time against us, but I mean, I've, I've kind of targeted Phil there, but it's just the fact that Suarez is mental <laughs> rather than anything. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think that's quite <laughs> yeah. fair actually. Yeah, he's, he probably he'll probably relish it. Yeah, but Coutinho's kind of. I, I do wonder if he, he might be a bit like the the Sterling thing, where a player just charges into him, and that's him quiet for the game. He just kind of doesn't seem to fancy it for up, some reason after up that. Against, so, up against Trent as well, he, he probably <clears> yeah. didn't want to leave one on him. <laughs> <laughs> local lad Trent yeah you you disrespect my club and my teammates yeah I'll, I'll sort you out mate <laughs> so coming back over to you then Sam uh, how do you feel that we're going to approach this game then do, do you think we go to kind of restrict Barcelona just to frustrate them somewhat choke the life out of them uh, look to you know just close out the spaces and counter-attack where we can or or, or do you think we, we turn up and think let's let's just go for it? Yeah, I, th- I think it's ideal that we've actually got the second leg at Anfield this time. You know, we, we have had some serious joy actually playing the other way around, uh, you know, last year and this year where we've, we've taken a lead to the away game then and, and then we know exactly where, you know, where we stand. But I think maybe this is ideal to play Barcelona. You know, we've seen Barcelona in the last two knockout uh, games. They, they've gone away in the first leg, been really cagey because they know their home form is so, so good that they will do the business then in the second leg. So I think it's ideal for us then that we take that away from them and then we go away to Barcelona uh, and we're going to go for, I think it, it will be an, a cagey affair. I think that's what we're going to be trying to do. But, you know, we should be very, very confident that we, we can do some damage against them and, and get an away goal. You know, just looking at, the, let's be honest, terrible Man United team at the moment. Even they, in the first five, ten minutes of that game at the new Camp, they had two or three really good chances to score that away goal in the game. And they blew them, you know, uh, uh, Rashford was clean through after 30 seconds. Uh, there was another chance. I think Lingard was nearly in. That uh, They really did cause Barcelona some problems in the early running of that game. So maybe that's something we might want to try in this game. You know, we touched on earlier that Liverpool have been, you know, pacing themselves, trying to get themselves into the game slowly. Maybe in this game, based on the Man United game, it might be an idea to try and get at them early and nick an early goal. Um, you know, either way, I think it's something we'll we'll be more than happy to take a draw back, even though, you know, we do want the away goal. We've seen how important that can be. I think we're going to try and be cagey as we possibly can and maybe hit them on the break and nick that away goal. With that in mind, then, I mean, what we did see 
certainly second half against Cardiff at the weekend was was Mo Salah and, and Sadio Mane kind of coming in from the wings as Bobby's dropping deeper, almost making a diamond in, in the midfield. Do you, do you think that's us almost getting prepared to to look at how we can slightly uh, play with our system to maybe enforce that against Barcelona? And, and if so, what, what midfield combo do you think we go for in this game? Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Um, Klopp has shown a bit of form of trying things out in a previous game uh maybe I, I don't know whether he was just maybe confident we'd beat cardiff whichever kind of midfield uh formation we actually go for i i don't know but um yeah that, that, that is a good point um i can't see us going yeah maybe dropping Firmino in a little bit more uh, as you touched earlier might be a good idea for this game you know especially with Busquets, who likes to run the game. I think that would make a lot of sense in this match. Um, regards to midfield itself, personally, I, I I can't see anything but having Fabinho in that defensive midfield role, you know, as long as he's okay now. I haven't heard anything since he's had this uh, head knock, whether he's going to be available. Um, and I think he'll, he'll go for Henderson because of his resurgence really recent times you know with this more attacking position that he's been playing and I probably expect him to go with Wijnaldum as well in the midfield uh, who's had a little bit of a break recently but then has come back in and I think he's someone that he's he's relied on a lot in these big games especially last season in the Champions League so I think that's the midfield I'd be going for uh, even though Kate uh, has been playing really well recently. I think maybe he'd be someone for the second leg, uh, you know, when we're at home and a bit more comfortable maybe and more of a chance to attack. What about you, Guy, then? Do you agree with Sam there on, on his choice for the midfield uh, combination? Um, yes, I do, actually. I mean, it's it, it quite a lot dependent on how um, fit or ready, whatever the right terminology is, well, <laughs> Fabinho is after his head knock. Um, I'm, I think Klopp mentioned in the pre-Huddersfield podcast, uh, not podcast, press conference, uh, re- we're recording on this this on the Thursday, I think he mentioned he's not fully fit or fully ready yet for Huddersfield, um, but I think he said he's training. I might be wrong on that, but uh, I'll, I'll, I'll double-check that later. But um, Yeah, I, I think he'd probably be all right for Barcelona if he's not ready for Huddersfield. But um, yeah, for me, I... I'd like Kate to play, but Ginny's his go-to guy, isn't he? And it seems to be between Ginny and Kate. I think Fabinho and Henderson, if they're fit, will be lock-ins, and then it's between them two. But I'd probably expect Ginny to play because, I mean, you can just trust him. And as long as Henderson is playing this 8-10 role, we do have that attacking outlet. You just kind of don't want it turning into a big flat free mess where just it doesn't really offer much so yeah as, as long as Henderson's a bit more advanced and Ginny can kind of watch the watch the space and that's probably the most important thing about taking on Barca it, it is the space because that's where Messi if Messi gets in space it's kind of you're screwed so I think Ginny might Ginny's probably the right call there he's, that that's probably the best thing he's the thing he's best at if anything um, so yeah, I'd go with that free. But if if Fabinho's not fit, I'd probably say Ginny in the six, Cater and Henderson. Yeah, you think Milner would be safe for the bench then? Because we've mm. seen him come on and come on and do important, valuable roles for Liverpool in sort of 
you know, 20, 25 minute spells. Uh, and he does, he does tend to like to come on and knock someone uh, and pick up a yellow card. So him, <laughs> him burning himself out early and getting a yellow card is probably not the best idea. You think he's, he's a great option to have on the bench if we need to, to change something up a little bit, you know, change shape, uh, just add a bit of energy in, in there maybe, or, or even just to have someone on just to go around and, and just knock a couple of people. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't want him starting against Lionel Messi. Because when Milner plays in midfield, he kind of plays half the time at left back. That seems like a bad idea when Messi's playing on the right wing for them. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I think Milner will probably play against Huddersfield tomorrow. I mean, this will probably be released after Huddersfield. I might be chatting absolute wham here. But I'm going to say Milner will probably play tomorrow, uh, but then be on the bench for um, Barcelona because... Yeah, if Milner, I think there's like a old meme slash gif of Milner getting destroyed when Milner was like in his prime. Never mind now, I think he's like 32, 33 now, so I don't really want to see him against Messi when Messi's having a a, a stupidly good season. So yeah, I'd, I'd Milner come on, probably just slide tackle through Phil, if anything. That seems to be what we're getting at. <laughs> Um, I think you're right, actually. I, I seem to recall um, an old video from a few years ago when he was at Man City of um, of Messi nutmegging Milner. So, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, we we don't need to see that from the beginning. He can come on and do a great job for the team with 20 minutes left. Uh, Sam, coming back over to you then, because there's another, another either-or question here. Now, we've seen Joe Gomez uh, come back into the squad. He's come on and got some minutes. Uh, and as guys mentioned, you know, we, we are recording this before the Huddersfield game, so we don't have the benefit of the hindsight from that because he may well play against Huddersfield. But there's a question there to be asked at right back because it does seem that some teams have begun to target Trent a little bit at right back recently. And he's not, obviously, he's not as strong defensively as Gomez. Um, is there a case there to be made to pick perhaps uh, pick Joe Gomez at right back instead of Trent in the away leg at uh, the new Camp? It's something Klopp has liked to do in the past uh, when we are playing against the big boys or a threat on the, on down the wings that he thinks maybe he'll be vulnerable. Um, it's, it's not something I like seeing personally. I think Joe Gomez... He was used, well, it was when he got his injury as well, which didn't help my perception of it. You know, he played right back when he actually had that uh, fracture of his leg, didn't he? Um, you know, going into that game, I, I very much like Joe Gomez as a centre-back. I think he's far, far better in that position. But I would totally understand, because it's the away leg first as well, if he decided, look, we'll just go for the better defensive option just for this one game. Um, you know, try not to let Barcelona pick up any sort of lead. You know, what was it, five-one against Lyon? I think I saw, and it was th- was it three-nil in the second leg against Manu. Um, yeah, it was. Yeah, five-one so, at home to Lyon, three-nil against Manu, and, and that's the side that Jordi Alba plays on as well, obviously. Yeah, exactly. So you know, they they've got threats. You know, com- I don't know whether they're going to play Coutinho on the left-hand side. I think Arter is more kind of left of the three midfield. Uh, and, you know, he's got just lovely passing ability. So it, it's something that he could end up threading through these guys down the left-hand side. It is a big concern. 
Um, and, and Trent has been caught out a little bit on occasion. You know, he is a very young player still. And, and he is someone that, you know, if they're going to target anyone in our back four, that it's going to be him, isn't it? You know, it's it's not that he's a weakness. It's just they'll double up on him. You know, they'll make it an unfair fight on occasion. And Joe Gomez is by far the better defender. The problem is when we put Joe Gomez in there, we do lose one of our biggest attacking weapons. You know, one of our biggest tactics is to go through our left and right back. Um, so when Robbo and, and Trent aren't either playing well or on the pitch, then our attacking threat is reduced significantly. And for me, I think it's really important to try and get an away goal in the Champions League knockout stages. So uh, I think our chances of getting that away goal will be reduced significantly if Trent isn't on the pitch. So um, if I have to predict, I think Klopp, as long as he's happy with Gomez's fitness, will play Gomez right back just to be cautious and try to keep the score down as much as we can and then bring him back to Anfield. I think that's very fair. Guy, where do you sit on this on this one then between uh, Gomez and Trent? Uh, possibly play, uh, pick, possibly picking between one between the other at uh, at the new camp in this first leg. Ooh, this is probably the biggest dilemma because I mean midfield just you pick three out of the hat and you're probably more likely to guess what Glop will do. But in terms of right back, I mean the real question mark is how fit Gomez is. I suppose because I mean I think he's what he played sixty odd minutes. Oh, he played like a half against Porto, didn't he? I think he played 60 minutes for the under-23s, and I think he's had little bits and bobs in other games. But, um, yeah, I mean, do you really want his first start, um, or proper start in, in a game against Barcelona? Might be a bit of a risk, that. So, I mean, tomorrow might answer a lot of these questions in terms of him getting more minutes and stuff like that. But, I mean, if if Gomez is fit to go, I mean, it probably makes quite a lot of sense playing him at right back because, I mean, he's probably... Phil Touchwood probably won't get the best of him because, I mean, if he if he kind of goes inside, I mean, Gomez is just superb defender. And if if Matip continues his great form, I mean, that's, that's a very solid right side. Um, Dembele might be more of a worry for him um, because, I mean, he's just explosive pace. I know Gomez isn't exactly slow. I mean, he's probably one of the quickest centre-backs or defenders around, but Dembele is just stupid fast. Um, But yeah, if Gomez was... If I knew Gomez was fit, proper fit, I'd probably pick Gomez out of the two and then you can kind of let the midfield or burden the midfield with a bit more creativity. But if Gomez is playing, maybe that allows you to play Cater instead of Ginny, for example. So, I mean, it's kind of a domino effect of how much creativity you can put in the rest of the team. But, yeah, I think I agree with what Sam said. I mean, if, if they're going to target anywhere, it'll probably be right back, maybe left back. I mean, Robbo's not at his sparkling best. So, I mean, the, the, the wide areas probably need quite a lot of help, whether it's from Mane on the left or... Um, whichever midfield's playing the left for us. But yeah, if Gomez probably the best to watch a side on his own. Yeah, so I'd probably say Gomez if, if he's fifth. Yeah, and, and this is the thing with the team now, isn't it? It's it, You can rotate the midfield and, and sometimes it's hard to predict. The front three are the front three, they're undisputed. Obviously, the goalkeeper's undisputed. As at the, as things are, you know, Van Dijk and Matip are the partnership at the centre of, of defence uh, and Robertson's going to be playing left-back. So, yeah, the only question really is 
who's going to play at right back and, and what that combination midfield is going to be. So, I mean, we've looked at that. We've we've looked at Barcelona. Obviously, we we can't look past Lionel Messi. It, it's it's just it's a huge tie. Obviously, there's a lot riding on it. Um, it. It's magnificent that we're in this situation. We do have a decent record against them, so I guess it's it's time to for us to put our money where our mouths are, and and call this thing. So I'll come to you first, Sam. Match prediction time. How do you think we're going to fare in this first leg? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm fully expecting it to be the battle of the four three threes. Um, you know, it it just kind of depends how much ball we let Busquets get on the day and see whether he can dictate things. You know, I I don't know whether it's going to be the same as the Manu game, but you know, I'm very much expecting Busquets, Rakitic, and Arta in there based on form. Uh, if that is the case. You know, I think it, it's it's going to be a tough game for us, but I, I'm fully, fully confident that we can keep the score down and that we can nick an away goal. So, personally, I think I'm going to go for a one-all draw in this game, uh, get that vital, vital away goal, and then bring them back to Anfield. Oh, I like that one. Uh, and, Guy, time for, time for you to make a prediction then. what What's the score going to be? Oh, let's get bold, Andy. Let's get bold. Um... Another one of your six nilers? <laughs> no, Christ, no. no not against, doesn't work against Fulham, never mind Barca. <laughs> um, I think we'll lose, but I think we'll get the away goal. So I'll go oh, I'll go 2-1 to Barcelona. But if I'm not on the next pod, I think we'll win the tie. Mm. Well, I, I, I would... I would be fairly content with the two one because as you both said, you know, that it's that away goal. It's really, really important as we've seen so often. And yeah, when we take teams back to Anfield second leg, anything can happen. So final question to you both. Uh, I'll let you go first guy on this. Then if Liverpool uh, are going to come out of this first leg in a good position, then who is going to be the key player on the night? I have to say Salah. I mean, They've got, I think, Langley plays on the left-hand side of the defence and um, Alba, we've touched on being mental. <laughs> so if Salah's kind of left up top like he normally is, he can kind of drift over to the right. I mean, Langley looked like a nervous wreck against Manchester United. Imagine what he'll do with Bobby, Salah and um, Barney sniffing about. So, yeah, Salah on that right channel, their left channel, I, I, I think he'll be key. Uh, and Sam... Same question to you then. If if Liverpool are to to do well out of this first leg, who do you think is going to be the key player? Yeah, it's it's very very difficult to argue a guy there, especially considering our game plan is probably to hit them on the break. So obviously Salah's pace is going to be absolutely vital there. But uh, you know we did touch on it earlier. I think probably Bobby Firmino is going to be our actual key player uh, on the day. I think away from home. His running and harrying and, and, and just quality on the ball, holding it up and linking up play is just so, so vital for us uh, You know, in these away games when we're not getting much possession. So personally, I think he's going to be absolutely vital for us on the day. And you know, if he does a good job, then there's a really good chance we're going to get the result. Yeah, I'm with you there. I think uh, he's, the, he's the key to this. If we can shut them down, it's going to be via him. So... Oh, it, I, I'm, it's it's all exciting. It's, it's exciting times 
Reds, it really is. So thank you to you both anyway. It's been a good chat. Uh, we've looked through everything. And, and let's see let's see how uh, how we get on with them score predictions. So, you know, both of you looking at uh, our attackers being key. Feel like we're going to get an away goal. Uh, it's all to play for, Reds. It's the semi-final of the Champions League. The first leg in the new Camp, like we said. So second leg, we're going to be coming back to Anfield. So... The boys have shown this season that they have they're maturing, they they they're getting better and better as the season's going on. They're adding more to their game. They they can do something here. They can really really do something. And we're going to be back next week to talk about what happens in that first leg and look ahead to the second leg, which hopefully will be our next step on the way to a second successive final. But for now. From myself, Andy Wales, here at your Champions League preview podcast here on Anfield Index, it's bye-bye now. Network.